0: The Arts Explanatory Comma Podcast, where art meets the real world, and both sides get a better understanding of the whole picture. This podcast may contain strong language, and listener discretion is advised.
1: Culture. The customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group, or the attitudes and behavior and characteristics of a particular social group. As broad as the definitions of culture are, when people think about it, they think almost exclusively about where people are from and their ethnic or racial background. They don't necessarily think about how people identify or their peer groups, nor other groups that they belong to, have selected, or otherwise are affiliated with.
0: Today's guest thinks about these things often, and not just in the way that people of color living in the U.S. have to think about it. They create their work, usually with traditional photographic processes, dealing with all things cultural that make them who they are. One theme prevalent in Mo's work is the socioeconomic inequality of El Salvador, their home, which keeps many impoverished and plays a huge role in the country's violent crime rate and immigration fluctuating both inward and out. They also work with themes that concern the LGBTQIA community and their fight for civil and equitable treatment. Education and information play a big role in their work. We're excited to be here today with Mo Penders. Welcome, Mo.
2: Hello. Hi, Mo.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you for
0: having me. So let's just jump right in here. And I think our first question is simply, how did you become an artist or when did you decide that you were an artist. Hmm. Well,
2: in high school, I wanted to take art as a uh, one of my AP classes or one of my th- electives, mm-hmm. but my teacher didn't let me. She didn't like me. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I graduated, I, I uh, before I moved here, I was looking at U of H because my brother was here in Houston, and I was looking at their photo program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had always wanted to study like either vet or some sort of zoology or animal husbandry Mm -hmm. so i was like between those two and i moved here and i did a zookeeping and vet paramedic program Mm -hmm. but then when i was done i wanted to go back and finish my bfa so or like do my bfa and i actually did study one year in el salvador um in college and it was a I was doing a design program. I can't remember what it was like, but it was like the design of everything. Oh. Um, and so we did have like art and it was a new program in the school I was in, yeah. in the college or university I was in. Um, and I did have a lot of painting and photo, but it was very much geared to communications and, Okay. um, what's it called? Like,
0: uh, like graphic design. Uh, or? no, uh,
2: more. What's he say? Eh, whatever ads and stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Um So like it wasn't my interest yeah. that specifically, but I still I wanted to do. I had all, I had owned cameras. Like I would always buy cameras as a teenager, and I wanted to learn how to work in a dark room. Um, so I went back to HCC, and I I took my first black and white class, uh, and I thought it was a digital class just because I didn't know. Yeah. There was a lab, and I walked into the class, and the teacher was like. Well, if y'all thought this was a digital class, like, you can leave, right? <laughs> or, or, cause uh, people would actually leave. They'd be like, oh, this is not digital, right? And they'd walk out of yeah. the class. And so I was like, I didn't know it was uh, a wet lab or a traditional. Uh, and I was like, this yeah. is amazing. Right? <laughs> and so I started, um, taking, I took my first photo class then, uh, or well, my second photo class, I guess. Um, but my first like darkroom class. And then I loved it. And, I took a few art classes that semester. And
3: that's After that, it like, was like,
2: okay, yeah, I I'm decided here. Yeah. to change my major, or keep it at, like, and get a BFA. So, yeah. Okay.
0: That's kind of. So, what's your earliest memory or connection to art?
2: Oh, man. So, <laughs> I'm working on this project. <laughs> but I was just going through all these old photos I have. um... <laughs> and when I was little, I would always paint out in the, in our garden. Yeah. And when I was done, <laughs> you know, when you paint, you have your, like your, your little water bucket to clean the brush. Yeah. And so I'd throw the paint on the wall and it was like, cause the, <laughs> like, like the, the houses are, are walled, right? Mm-hmm. right? So like there's a wall around the yard. Yeah. Um, and so there was a white wall and I would always throw the paint on there and I was like, this is like my abstract art or something, <laughs> right? And I was little and I'd just be like, and I'd throw it and my mom would get so mad And I found a photo of the wall, like, complete with all these, like, different, like, splashes of paint. And I was like, man. And I told my mom, I was like, you never let me. (laughs) You were always anti my my (laughs) super painting here. And she'd paint over it. Like, she'd always paint. Like, after a while, she'd get it painted. And she was like, yes, I hated that. And I was like, it was my art. (laughs) So... (laughs) I don't know. I guess I was. That's what I can think. So of. your
0: own abstract expressionism.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was somehow always connected to yeah. some sort of art,
0: almost inherently. Yeah,
2: or music or anything.
1: So, do you have any other roles besides? Do you consider yourself an artist or strictly a photographer? Or
2: mm, no, I consider myself an artist. Um, I use photo, or I have been using photo as my main main medium for the last couple of years, but. Even when I was in school, like, I did a lot of sculpture. Um, and with the collective, I am in, mean, we've also done performance and stuff. So right now I'm a, I'm getting ready to apply for grad school and I'm looking at different programs. I don't necessarily want to focus on photography. Like, I, I, I do love working, especially in the darkroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Like, the process is fun for me. Uh, but I want to do other things too. Okay. So like more interdisciplinary. So can you explain
1: to me, um, you called it, I guess, wet lab photography. Mm -hmm. What can you explain to me And the explanatory comma (laughs) format for,
2: I've never heard that term. So what is. So traditional photography, right? Like it's still using either if, if you're doing black and white, it would be like with negatives and everything. So uh, you have to go in and process your film with chemicals. So wet lab refers to the, Oh, okay. like the liquids, like the actual chemicals are liquids, yeah. right yeah, uh and then you same thing right when you're printing your photos and um enlarging them or anything um it goes through liquid right mm. so that so people call it a wet lab mm-hmm. uh so that's or or a dark room,
0: so yeah. okay, so it's just the photography and the the process of the photography, and then of course. If you've ever seen a movie from the 90s or before, mm-hmm. where there's some cheesy couple who mm-hmm. goes into mm-hmm. a dark room mm-hmm. with a red light, <laughs> that's it. That's, <laughs> <the> word, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it.
2: Because you know, so photography, mm-hmm. you know, foss means came from the word "light" and uh, "graph" meant drawing. So it's drawing with light, oh. and that's and that's yeah. what photography means. It's like Never drawing knew with, that. Yeah, drawing, <laughs> drawing with right, light, yeah. and so wow. you, yeah, you're recording light. <laughs> And that's what a photograph does, like yeah. it records light. So yesterday we were teaching a class uh, and we were teaching the kids how to do light paintings, right? Yeah. And so you have to be like in a dark space because, you know, when you take a photo and it's all blurry. Yeah. It's because the camera needed more time because there's not enough light. So it cat captures the movement and mm-hmm. that's why it's blurry. Mm-hmm. So when you draw with, uh, like, when you do a long exposure, you can draw things like you can write with mm-hmm. the light or I don't know if you've ever seen those people, like people write, I love you or something, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can do this, but you have to write the wrong way around. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, the inverse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know where I was going yeah. with that. Exactly. <laughs> <something> about it <laughs> it recording, recording you're light. light. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Wow. Yeah. I have like, I don't know why I've never even looked up yeah, yeah. the.
0: It's funny because the light writing reminds me like there are certain things that everyone does when learning photography Mm -hmm. and they're all cheesy as shit. Yeah. Like they're they're all super cheesy. Yeah. But everybody does it. Yeah. Yeah. So light writing is one of them. Mm -hmm. Slow shutters of a freeway. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) That was my first. That was my first long exposure. (laughs) Mine too. Mine too.
0: Um, Nudes. Nudes, Everyone yeah. takes pictures of either themselves you, or yeah. their friends naked.
2: You gotta go through your Francesca Woodman phase when you're, <laughs> Everybody, you're like, eh. yeah. because you would do like long exposures somewhere. and yeah, and they were nudes and long long exposures. So everyone's like, oh my god, yeah,
0: yeah. They have. Uh, I went through that. Francesca Woodman has some like really nice stuff, yeah. very ethereal looking mm-hmm. images with the long exposure. Uh, we'll put some Francesca Woodman up, uh, but also <laughs> like you know, so you have those phases. And then you have your, your contrast phase where you want some really contrasty images a lot of times, (laughs) almost like noir looking. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Very street photography. dark. (laughs)
0: Yes. Like it's uh, anyway, (laughs) those are just the phases that you go through when Mm -hmm. you start shooting. Like everyone does no matter how old you are when you start Mm -hmm. shooting Mm -hmm. because they're cool. They're all like, you Google the images. They're cool. They look great. And you have some people that specialize in them and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are fun to create for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you start to feel like, oh my God, I need to explore something deeper. Let's think about what the human body means. Mm-hmm. And then you go, <laughs> so serious. Like, now that I think about it, like, it, I'm
1: like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Huh. Everyone, everyone. Okay. Now, some people stop at these places and mm-hmm. stay there. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. True. Some people only photograph naked people and that's fine. Yeah. Do your thing. You know, but
1: whatever. Just, just leave the cereal out of it. Cereal. I've I've been seeing a lot of oh. photographers shooting new people
2: with cereal and milk. Yeah, and it's just it's one of those. That's like an uh, Annie Leibovitz thing. Uh huh. She photographed ah. Whoopi Gold, Goldberg in a milk bowl of
0: milk. Yeah. It, no, in a giant like oh yeah, it's a bathtub of milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's like. Maybe, See, that's, that maybe that's where it comes what from. There's
1: like Fruit Loops and but, Fruity Pebbles. I think one of
0: the things that people miss about that image, though, is that um, Whoopi Goldberg was photographed in that tub of milk as a metaphor for what she was experiencing in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people see it and they're like, oh, that's interesting. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, no. But then when you have the it, context,
1: it makes sense. A, yeah.
0: yeah. And, no, yeah. these
1: people are just getting women to be like, well, you pose with these Cheerios.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. i We're th- going to put one on is, your nose. Th- that that <laughs> stuff's terrible. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's horrible. And I'm not going to take that back. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just by the way, Whoopi Goldberg's actual life story is amazing. But that's a complete aside. It okay. has nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so let's let's talk about your work. What if you, in your words, what does your work focus on? Is there one particular focus, one theme that, no matter what work someone consumes of yours, they're like, oh, this is your. What's the word I'm looking for? I said theme, but yeah, like, is yeah, yeah, your like, theme?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that in most of my projects, it always ties back to home like somehow there's like a connection to home or um I watched this documentary I can't remember what the lady's name is and she's a painter um but this there's this word I think it's I can't remember what language it is but the word is hedieth and it means uh kind of like the longing for or missing this home that was but you'll never have again like if that home doesn't exist or you can't go back to it okay so it's like that longing for for that. So mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do my work with that, right? So usually like the connection to El Salvador, that's my home country, right? And then personal things, right? Like if I'm talking about my either gender or sexuality, like it also ties back to home and how it's connected to my family.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And yeah, like my recent project Cultura is also that, right? Um it's objects that come from my home okay. and then yeah it's like the same connection of how we were talking about culture and everything i think it has to do and right now like when you brought up like how my work was um everything seemed to talk about culture mm-hmm. like i i feel like both words are very interchangeable yeah in the conversation it's either like home or, or culture like it's they yeah. could be the same thing right yes. yeah
0: absolutely absolutely because those like specifically speaking about um your project cultura Those small things, the candies, the tamarind, the chancla, the, you know, all those things are things that remind you of home. Or it could even remind you of a specific person from home. And even though they're here, it doesn't have the same context as they do when you're in El Salvador. Like it's different. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's, uh, for me, it, it, I think that work resonated with me because it's like, it's the small things it's always the small things it's never necessarily the big things like when i'm away from home i don't miss driving and being stuck in traffic yeah. like <laughs> right which are which here in houston like that's yeah. a big deal you drive everywhere you sit in traffic monday through sunday it doesn't matter yeah. right but that's not the things that i miss i miss the small things in in addition to my family which i of course i miss I miss, you know, certain restaurants that you can't go to anywhere else, right? I miss, you know, candies that I know that I can get at the store down the street from my job or ice cream from a certain place. Like, it's those small, small things that make you homesick. Yeah, man, you just
2: said ice (laughs) cream and I went to like, whenever I visit my grandma and my cousins are always like, if I'm at my grandma's, I see everyone, mm. right? Like, it, it's that completely different that <laughs> yeah. Ever since I've been here in the States and my mom moved a few years after me, but I see my mom, like, once a week or sometimes it'll go for a lot longer, right? Mm. Like, and she lives, what, 20 minutes away from me? Yeah. But in El Salvador, like, when I'm there, I'll see my grandma, all my cousins, all my, <laughs> like, my aunt and my uncle. Everyone will pretty much congregate at my grandma's house every afternoon so yeah. i'll and everyone's there by four or five o'clock like everyone is there right <laughs> and and yeah like so you said ice cream and i thought of like my cousin and i always would do that or and still now like we just like start like finding whatever money we had like a yeah. few dollars and we'd walk to the ice cream store and take like my nieces and nephews <laughs> when well i mean when we would do that when we were teenagers and and yeah, now like we take the kids, but it was like a very yeah like a thing that we always did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like that, like that missing that. Um Yeah. yeah. It's kinda like <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so are all um, of
1: your works personal narratives or just connected to your personal narrative?
2: I think they're personal.
1: Okay, I think so. Do you think your work's political? Yes. How so?
2: Um. Well, specifically, so right now with cultura. Um I was trying to move away from my work being perceived as documentary because I don't necessarily want to be considered a documentary photographer. Um I don't know it has a different connotation like it for some reason it sometimes when people would talk about it it didn't seem or when people say it's street photography like it 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 seemed like I didn't have an intent. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I did, right? Like um yeah. I knew specifically what I was looking for when I go home and photograph. Um, And I was trying to do something more along the lines of conceptual documentary and how I was going to present it. And I don't think it's a project like my other, like my previous projects about El Salvador Mm -hmm. uh, dealing with uh, poverty and immigration and violence and everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily done with them. They're just like on the shelf right now being figured out like how to present them. Um, and actually like, a an artist that interests me is Alan Sekula. Um, and he did a conceptual documentary here in the States. And, um, was it, I can't remember if they worked for NASA or something like, and a lot of people start, started getting laid off. And so he, his project was around, uh, about that, like the, um, um, middle class in America. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and most of these people were like college educated or like, um, had master's degrees, but they <laughs> were all unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like the way he presents the work. Right. Um, and so my, my work, yeah, it's political. Cause obviously in El Salvador, we have a lot of political problems, um, that are <laughs> very much linked to the U S mm-hmm. it's kind of like, and it <laughs> all stems from the war. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how I mentioned earlier that I'm working on this project. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking about that a lot more. Um, because I was born during the war. I was born in 1988 and the peace treaties were signed in 92. And yeah, like peace treaties were signed, but like it's a super dangerous country. Like that never went away. Right. And those problems were never really dealt with. Um, and so like, yeah, we have a lot of problems with gang violence. Um, but I don't, <laughs> obviously, I don't think that's the gang's fault. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. that the problems stem from, um, I mean, the reason why there are gangs is kind of like there isn't a proper education system. Like, there aren't any jobs, uh, available. And, like, so this is what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in El Salvador, like, poverty is so, like, <laughs> I don't know what, like, the percentage of rich are extremely wealthy, but mm-hmm. it's a very small percentage. They're, like, a middle like class. Like the 1%? Yeah, yeah, the pretty US. much. Okay. Um, like, the when the country was first founded, it was um, divided amongst 14 families. So, 14 mm-hmm. families owned the country, right? Oh, wow. Um, and it's pretty much divided into 14 departments. Mm-hmm. Um, And it has a lot to do, well, it doesn't have a lot to do, it is... Having been colonized, right? Like, yeah. uh, like the indigenous people, like those were their lands where they grew their crops and everything. And then all these people were like, well, now this is my land and you can't mm-hmm. grow your food here anymore. And we're gonna start, uh, planting coffee and sugar, right? And y'all have to work for me now. And that little patch is what you're gonna eat. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so yeah, El Salvador, like some of the main exports are sugar, coffee, and corn, right? That's what we grow and that's. Mm. Um, but all those people that work the land, they don't have access to education, right? It's pretty much like if you're born poor, you're staying poor. Like in El Salvador, Mm -hmm. there's no such, or not that there's no such thing, but it's very like very, very difficult to be like, well, I'm going to work hard and get out of this. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, if you never had access to education, then it's very difficult for you to get to college. And, um, I mean, yeah, because the public education system is not good, right so like that's that's when i s when I was working on that project, it was my interest in that okay um and yeah, it's kind of like the war was funded by the u s right like the there were outs- outside sources funding a <laughs> yeah. war um and then these people were displaced and came to the states. But then they weren't welcome in the States, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you destroyed our home, but then we can't come here, right? Um, And it's what's going on right now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. same stuff. Like, people are displaced, but then they're not welcome here either, right? So they have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when, when I left, the murder rate, I think, was like at 10 or 11 per day. And that was in 2000. When did I leave? What year? I, I left it like in two thousand nine or two thousand ten, and throughout the years it just kept like going up and going up. It got to the point that the murder rate was twenty eight per day, um, which is terrible, right? Yeah, like it's that's crazy. It's insane. And then it's also interesting, like me being from over there and then coming here and having people that are first generation, right? And they've been born here, and then the whole conversation here about like Central Americans are gangs. Right. And mm-hmm. so I, I completely understand um, people who have been born here obviously don't want to be um, recognized as like, oh, well, Salvadorans like, oh, the MS-13. That's and that's yeah. all people know about <laughs> El Salvador. So um like, yeah, to me, El Salvador is not that it's kind of like to me, El Salvador is some of like the happiest people I know right like you go like this country has so many problems and so much poverty yet everyone is always like super nice and and welcoming and Mm -hmm. and caring so it's just kind of like this weird thing like different yeah it's different experiences and different perspectives right so like I'm from over there and that's what I've lived right like or even recognizing like I said that I was born during a war and that's not something we ever talked about like the war ended And everyone's like, okay, that's behind us, that's the past, and no one talked about it, right? And recently I had a conversation with my mom, like a very heart to heart, that we had never had this conversation. Um, and, and it was just kind of like, even her acknowledging, like, um, that we were, that we had grown up during a war, it was just interesting because she had never done that, and I have never, like, really acknowledged that either, right? Like, um, cause sometimes I'll say things here with my friends or we'll be talking about a project and I'll say something and I realize that it's completely weird. And, and to like, to me, it's not weird because that's where that's I grew up. Right, like, for yeah. instance, when I was little, I would collect bullets. <laughs> oh, <oof. laughs> but not because like I wanted to collect bullets, it's just because they were there, right? Like, I would, like, I would find bullets in the yard in the morning, right? Or I would be in the park and I would find bullets. So I would pick them up and take them home and I had like a little collection of bullets, not, I don't like guns, right? And I feel like the conver like the conversation of guns here and guns there, like my feeling towards guns or the context of guns is completely different in the states and in El Salvador. Like they're different things. But yeah, like me saying like I collected bullets and me not thinking it was weird until I said it in front of Mm -hmm. people here. it, It was like it made me realize like oh, yeah, like you guys have never yeah seen this or or you know it's kind of yeah. like or or where my family my fa- family's from the eastern part of the country where a lot of the the conflict happened mm-hmm. and so yeah like there's like giant like <laughs> guns and or grenades and people like would find that stuff so it's there as display like you just found it in it and it's there right like yeah. or there's like bullet holes and walls and stuff like that and you're like oh, what is that and you're like oh yeah yeah it's yeah. from the war right like remnants of the war um but it's just interesting that it's kind of like taken me 26 years to start talking about this and even like what trauma comes with that or what trauma because my mom, like the war must've started when she was a teenager or yeah. Yeah. When she was a teenager. So she lived through the whole war. Right. And what trauma that has and what (laughs) comes inherent with her experience Mm -hmm. and is put onto us. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, I do think my work is political. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's> well, just- <laughs> no, that, that
0: makes sense because everything that you mentioned is part of the politics of it all. Um, in in our conversation with my brother, he mentioned that his work is political, but it's political in the sense of talking about power. Mm-hmm. Your work is political in the sense of the effects of power, yeah. right? Like <laughs> yeah. how how you were affected by Sorry. that conflict. That conflict. How your mom was affected by that conflict, how the entire country was affected by that conflict, and how the perception, the political, the politically driven uh, perception of El Salvador (laughs) is like, it's completely different than your perception, right? So even you making work of, you know, people, if you take a picture of someone in El Salvador smiling, that's a political image because it's because yeah. <laughs> according to the news and the tangerine in chief uh, <laughs> no one smiled <sighs> right like no one could possibly be smiling in El Salvador or any Latinx country because there's too much raping and murdering going on mm. right like <laughs> yeah. so the simple act of you being able to do something other than what is expected other than being poor and impoverished that's political. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, that, yeah, I, mean, I appreciate all that. <laughs>
2: or, or even uh, that, like, uh, being used to architecture, mm-hmm. like, moving here and, like, not having walls around your house and just having, like, a driveway. Yeah. And, like, I, would, in my old house, I would always think about that, right? Like, I was like, my window is literally in front of the road, right? Like, and I'm not afraid. Like, I wasn't ever, when I moved here, I didn't feel that same threat. Like yeah. I I here I feel like I can walk down the street and be okay. Yeah. Um and so like that made me realize how it was completely different. Like our house had a wall around it and had glass shards and barbed wire. Like an all mm-hmm. like most houses have barbed wire. Like that's normal. Like an electric like a razor. Mm-hmm. Um and that was in my first body of work that was like the it's called Latitude. Um and it, it's kinda like yeah, that, that is political, right? Because, <laughs> uh, and when I'm looking at these old pictures, like a bunch of the houses around our house didn't have walls. Like they were like that. They were open. Like you could walk up to a door mm-hmm. and knock the door. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then like everyone started building walls and then you would always put the glass shards, like broken bottles on, uh, like they're, they're like part of the cement, right? Like they're yeah. built mm-hmm. into the wall. Right. And then eventually like that wasn't enough and people started putting razor up and then, like some of my neighbors had double razor, and they even started putting roofs over their yards mm-hmm. to keep people out mm-hmm. um so so it's kind of like even that like that's normalized over there and and you don't think about it because yeah. it's just like every day, yeah. until you're like presented with a different option or yeah <laughs> or a different lifestyle, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, yeah, that's it's
1: interesting.
0: like there's another way to do this yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I mean that gives a whole other perspective for for me it's another perspective on the idea of safety yeah because like have a burglar alarm in my mm-hmm. house and i could not i could even not have that and still be fine mm. like <laughs> you know it more than likely the worst that could happen if someone breaks in and takes a tv or two you know what i'm saying like <laughs> you know i'm not thinking there's not a war right outside of my house yeah. being fought. like that's that's interesting and i well yeah, I've never thought about that actually. <laughs> Cause I guess I haven't had to, but yeah. shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My,
1: that took me down a thought hole that I wasn't expecting to go. So, are there any topics in your art that you find difficult for you to approach, or that you have approached and it was more difficult than you thought it was, or you haven't approached because you're struggling with?
2: Yeah, with the. It's that the project I'm talking about that I'm working on or trying to work on I've tried to do it a couple of times and I haven't been able to and it has to do with my dad so my dad passed away when I was four so he died literally like a year after the peace treaties were signed Mm. and so there's also like a lot of connection to the war right Mm -hmm. like um and there's not really like a clear answer as to how he died he died in his car um but there's like the assumption that he was murdered, mm-hmm. and but it was it was made to, like, look like he had a car accident. Okay. But it's kind of like known over there. It's like no, he was killed, right? Like everyone yeah. kind of knows. And um, so I've tried to do work on it before, but uh, like I plan it, <laughs> and then it's just kind of like, eh, and I just kind of like eh, just, uh, just separate <laughs> myself from it and forget about yeah. it. And so recently, um, I started planning on working on uh on it a lot more. So this is why I've been going through these photos. Okay. Um, And I was looking for very like specific photos that uh, also have to do with the war. Right. So yeah. um, he took photos of these fighter planes flying over our house. Cause we used to live close to the military school. And so I, one of the flashbacks I have is like, um, so our house, so there's this like <laughs> platform, I guess like on the second floor, that doesn't really have like a stair or door access so you have to get up there with a ladder and that's how you would dry your clothes like you hang it up there yeah. so it's very unsafe like my mom had to <laughs> climb up there with a bucket full of like wet clothes on a ladder and put it up there and then climb up there and like hang clothes um but he was up there so it's called that tendededor or where you like i guess a hanger or something yeah to hang clothes and and it was the final offensive and they were like, I don't know if they were attacking the military school or what was going on. Uh, so he was up there taking pictures. And I just remember running. So it was like the kitchen ends and there's a door. And then there's this like little hallway where you can see up into this area. Yeah. Um. So there's like sky. <laughs> um. But I just remember I was little and I, I, so I must have been what, like three? Yeah, it must have been two or three. And running out there. And I remember my mom screaming like, Mateo, bajate de ahí. Like, Matthew, get down from there, right? Like, but she like, she was like freaking out, like screaming. And I just remember like running back in, right? But like, I just always remember that those photos existed, right? Mm -hmm. And so this project has a lot to do. Like, I want to have historic markers on, um, um, like what was going on at the time. Cause I, like, no one's necessarily interested in my, yeah. Personal father, right? Right? Like yeah. that's my connection to it, but mm. there's also like I think that it's it's interesting cuz it's not just my story. It's like a lot of my friends here moved here when they were little kids, right? Like same things happened to them either they lost their father, like their father was mysteriously killed or something mm. or or but yeah, we we don't necessarily talk about these things, right? Like we never acknowledge yeah. them. Not and really. so it like that's kind of, I, yeah, the project's not done yet, but this is kind of like the yeah path <laughs> for getting there.
0: But, so did, uh, just kind of a follow up question about your dad, like, did he have a political affiliation or was he affiliated with the military or anything? No, or? No, no, no. He was okay. a mechanic,
2: like nothing oh, to do. Okay. So I think like um, when I say that he was killed, it's more like it was war time so it was very easy to get rid of people because it's war time so it's just kind of like oh, i want to get you killed like let me just like yeah and so there's just like interesting things for instance the un found him Mm -hmm. um and they were the ones that came to the house and like told us he Mm -hmm. had passed away or he had died um but to me it's really interesting that the un found him because the un that was the first time the un had gotten involved in a civil conflict the UN had never been involved in a civil con- conflict, and so like that's like yeah. a historic marker to me too, right? Like, yeah, it had been it was a twelve year war, so it's like just mm. fun fact, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's just interesting. Like, it, I guess historically to me, it's kind of like yeah. those
0: yeah things yeah, are yeah.
2: interesting. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah. I mean, it could kind of give birth to like conspiracy theories and like <laughs> what the yeah. fuck was going on what was my dad into like in some in like not to make light of it but of course like in something like spider-man or something like that it's like what was my dad doing what was he like (laughs) yeah
2: and it it is like even like looking for or or when i had that conversation with my mom like asking her stuff um like it is very emotional because you do find a lot about like things that maybe you didn't want to know or Mm -hmm. as i mean yeah like (laughs) He's human, too. Yeah. Um, of course.
1: Who they are as a person outside of the role they play in your life. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's kind of like, what parent. were you, you involved in? Here.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what's your personal mantra for creating? So I know you said you, when you sit down to plan it out, how do you approach your art? Saying, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to create.
2: So usually it's more of um, I have an idea or there's like. Some topic that's in my head a lot, right? Like, uh, something's going on. And, um, so I can have an initial idea, but I feel like it evolves a lot through the process. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I keep saying, uh, or telling people that for me, it's, I, f- I always feel like it's hard for me to apply for a grant because I don't have like a final, like, and this is what I'm going to do, right? Like, it's more like I feel, for me, it's the process. Like, I write about it, so I'm like, I'm talking about this, right? And and I can have, like, a whole argument of the two sides in, in my mind, right? Like, of what I think about this. And, and yeah, it is kind of, like, in a sense, a learning process or also, like, understanding yeah. where I stand with it, too, or or what influence or what may change my mind on it.
0: Yeah, so, it's a very fluid process. Like, yeah, okay, I'm starting here. Nah, I'm going here. Like Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, and I guess like that's what's happened with most of my bodies of work that are either kind of finalized or something. Like, there was initial an initial thought of what I want to say, and also like how I'm gonna get there. So with cultura, mm-hmm. like I kept wanting to use objects, right? Like, um and I tried different ways. Like I photographed these objects mm-hmm. and I used Polaroids and I did, um, I can't remember. What it, <laughs> um, what's it called? When you yeah. put an object on, on, uh, on photo paper. Oh my oh, God.
0: Oh, um, I can't. Shit. I forget. We did that. Uh, in, in, in Eric's class. I do this all I the time. I do yeah. this with all my students and I can't think about it right now. I can't think of what it's called either, but I know whatever, about, but I yeah. used,
2: I did that. And, and, um, and then one day, my grandma had asked me to scan an old picture for her. And so I was trying to scan it different ways because I couldn't get the details out because it was, like, so worn. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I started scanning some other stuff just because I was like, oh, I'm scanning things right now. <laughs> and then it, one looked really cool, and I was like, oh. And so I started just grabbing, like, the objects I had been using and started scanning them. And and I was like, oh, this is really cool, right? Yeah. And so pretty much that's how I was like, this is how I'm going to do this. Okay. Um. So that's how... Yeah. buddha came about like the 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 presentation of it
0: yeah so there's the i think for a lot of different artists there's a couple of different parts of the process right like yeah. there's the there's the writing and thinking about it yeah. which that can go a million different ways right like that's a windy road of its own right and then the technique that you're going to use to present that work mm-hmm. that's another windy road like almost like a fork on that windy road splits into two different winding roads. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's like, well shit, how am I going to present this work? That's like a million different windy roads (laughs) that are, that are branched off from that. So it's like, you know, of course, I think in general, the process is either start working, then write about, or write about, then work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But all of them are super fluid um, but, I, I yeah, I think like when it comes down to it, a lot of times the, the work dictates the media, <laughs> the work dictates the presentation. Um, sometimes the space dictate dictates the presentation. Cause if you're preparing for a specific show and they don't have the room for you to do a large installation, then well, yeah. shit, how am I going to do it now? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah you find ways yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like you, have oh, to. <laughs> you gotta figure this out <laughs> absolutely think on the go um so let me ask you this um you spoke about a show that you well first you said you had three shows this month when we were talking yeah. before we started recording you had three shows this month what were those shows because i know cultura was one of them correct or yeah.
2: yeah so i was part of uh two shows in San Antonio. Uh, so one was shown, uh, Cultura was shown at Pressa House Gallery. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also part of this show called Tiny Topography that was curated okay. by my friend Dave Salinas. So he used to be an artist here in Houston. He moved to San Antonio. So that's how I got my studio space at ERS, El Rincón Social. Okay. Um, Because he used to have his studio there and we used to print together. Um okay. And actually that's how my first show that I was in. It was through him because he started this show here in Houston that was called Ratio, and it was all like analog photography. Okay. Um, so he had me in tiny topography. So it was kind of it was like tiny. It was all contact prints,
0: but t- oh, okay. so he cut them up and everything, yeah.
2: and it was like the whole gallery was filled with tiny <laughs> contact cool. prints, and uh, and they were like um,
0: magnifying loops, glass. or mag- oh, okay. yeah, ma- yeah, yeah,
2: magnifying glasses, so you could see. So contact prints are when you print in the darkroom you you make a sheet like literally contact is the the paper the negative is making contact with the paper okay and so they're super tiny right they're the size of the the, the each tiny negative right negative, yeah. so uh, when you i don't know if you ever had the your photos printed like Back in the day yes. <laughs> and they would give you like a little contact print or even when yeah. they started doing digital there would be yeah. like a little
0: yeah a small contact and you, you see yeah. all the with little all photos. The photos yeah yes. oh, man, I'm yeah stressed. so yes. he
2: made a show just on with, with contact prints oh wow yeah, yeah. it was cool <laughs> yeah huh. and so then the other one was here in Houston and my friend Teresa Escobedo um curated the show and it was called Ephemeral Instant so it was all instant film okay um and so it was a few of us, Brenda Franco, Ryan Francisco, Jesse Bauman. But then These are, are like the yeah,
1: Polaroid Instax. Yeah, okay. so
2: there were like different, um, so I had like Fuji Instant and then some people had Polaroid and, okay. but yeah, all like different forms of yeah. instant film. Then Junior Fernandez, Teresa was in the show, Teresa Escobedo. Am I missing anyone? No, that was it. But yeah, um, so that work, that I showed there was, it was fun because I I hadn't, it was more about my identity as a a queer person. um, And I had writing on it. So usually like that stuff I do, but I don't usually show it. Yeah. For some reason I'm I like, I've kept it very like, oh, this is what I, yeah. I don't know. And we were talking about it and someone described it as very like, Like, it seemed like it had been, like, ripped out of one of my journals kind of Mm -hmm. thing. It was, like, very personal. Yeah. Like, the writing is very personal. Um, So, it was fun to show that, too. Like, not, I don't know. Someone was saying that Cultura maybe had, like, a, like, it was a little separated from me, too. Like, it wasn't as, Mm. and this was more, like, (laughs)
0: vulnerable. That's
2: and then I was like, "That's interesting because I always feel like I'm way too vulnerable." <laughs> I'm like, "Here, look, these are all my feelings." <laughs> yeah,
0: but you know, as as artists, we always uh, we always perceive ourselves different. Well, as humans, we perceive ourselves differently than other people. But as artists, we know all of the context, which is something that we talked about in uh, last week's uh, yeah. <laughs> last week's conversation with Brian. But you know, understanding that like there's so much more that goes into the work. that then people really understand because the context of your life sits in each and every body each and every piece in every body of work that you create right especially considering that you're dealing with culture most of the time because like as i look through some of your some of your images like doña or um libertad and things like that like you can see like There's there's there obviously has to be some type of grand connection between you, the photographer, and these subjects that are in these images or these places, because you wouldn't be able to capture it that way if there wasn't. Right. Like there has to be some type of strong connection there. And just talking to you like we understand, like you've internalized all of these things. You like they're now coming out. And as I've said before, like as consumers of things, of sight, of sound, those things come out at some point and they're going to come out in various different forms for you. They're your photographs currently, right? And when you yes. decide to use a different media, like they're going to come out there as well. Right. Um, so even if it's not like, Hey guys, this is my entire heart on this photograph. What's <laughs> up? Like <laughs> yeah. it, it's still there, right? Yeah. Like it's still there. Some of these things you may see and that connection is still there. And it may make you emotional, even if it's a little kid playing with a ball in the street. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that context is very, very important. So
2: No, and it's true. Because even, like, being part of the collective, Mm -hmm. so I'm part of the Mujeres Malas. uh, And, yeah, like, it still comes out there. Like, with the work that we all do, like, it's still there. Even if we're making work that's not necessarily, like, this work is about me. But, like, all of our experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah obviously come out. And and yeah, like in different forms, like in performance or whatever shows we've had. Absolutely. So
1: So because your work is so personal, are you ever concerned with how your work is consumed? Like if other people will accept it or get it?
2: I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you work through that? I mean, it's, I guess sometimes it's frustrating when you show your work especially being from somewhere else Mm. and it not being, and sometimes it it feels like this doesn't mean that it's true. It feels (laughs) Um, like it's not being either acknowledged or something because, because people don't understand it. Yeah. So, and, and they see it as kind of like, you got to work on your work. Right. Because it's this mentality of like, everyone has to understand your work and coming to terms with like, no, not really. Right. Mm. Like, I understand that some people are not ever going to understand my work Mm -hmm. because they've never had that experience. Right. So, (laughs) um, it's a completely different context and perception. So there's like no connection Mm -hmm. with us. Right. Uh, and it's also like learning where my work fits. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like people aren't going to like your work and that's fine. Like, um, and, yeah, it's like my my work. I've I've come to learn that my work is um, accepted in in like communities that are POC, right? Like yep. it it's not in the white world for the most part. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not understood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I've shown it, and people are like, mm, "Well, I don't get it." Right, and yeah. and it's kind of like you should work on that, right? Like yeah. to, being told to me, it's kind of like you're not. Yeah. translating this well enough for me so I'm I'm not getting it so that's yeah. your problem and it's kind of like oh wait no like then when I show it here everyone gets it so it's kind of like this is where it should be shown because yeah like usually immigrants like completely understand it it's mm-hmm. kind of like ah, and they get yeah. like very excited or my yeah like sometimes my friends their parents when they see the work like it, it connects a lot with yeah. them so yeah. yeah like I really appreciate that right when yeah. because that's who it speaks to right mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm our experience. So,
0: and that's actually been one of the conversations that we've had. And one of the reasons why the podcast exists, like we're not, and I want to say this very, very clearly. We are not excluding white artists. (laughs) We are not. However, we are highlighting women artists and artists of color. Like that's, (laughs) and I think everyone can understand why. And then a lot of times when work from artists of color is being shown, it's not being shown to the people that it could help, right? Or it's not being shown to the people that that artwork represents. It's -hmm. being shown to a room full of people that while they come from different walks of life, they kind of usually think the same. And they have no incentive (laughs) for
1: thinking uh, like beyond their existence. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like when we think about like who the biggest consumers of art are in terms of purchasing art. Yeah. Right? Like... They're buying Kahinde Wiley's, they're buying Amy Sherald's, they're buying, like, they're buying all this work from artists of color, but they don't really have a connection to the work. They like it for the, the elements that are present in the work, not necessarily for the context, right? Like, they're looking at the artistic elements and the principles of design and things like that, that are present in the work. And then they ascribe a value to that and they're like, oh my God, yeah, it's breathtaking. And it's like, yeah, but do you get it, though? Yeah. like yeah. Do you really because understand context it? context like, does matter. Context yeah. matters so much. And I think, like, being able to, um, and shout out to Tony Parana, because I love what Masa is doing, the idea of taking this art space to these communities where these people live so that these people in these communities can see the work that was made about and or for them. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. so could you imagine, like, setting up an outdoor gallery at like like off of airline, a airline at La Puga, right? Yeah. Like that would be amazing to yeah. show Cotura there because people would see it and be like, oh shit. Yeah. Yo, not only these, but what about this, this and this, yeah, right? Yeah. Like there'll be objects that you forget about. Yeah. Or, you know, there'll be, you know, um Mex- people from Mexico will be looking at it and be like, yeah, that reminds me of such, such and such in Mexico, right? And then that changes from state to state. And mm-hmm. then you have a full conversation of all these people where, you know, of all these people that understand it, that get it, right? So they're able to create these threads. The
1: cultural that, exchange. Yeah, the yeah. cultural yeah.
0: exchange starts yeah. to happen in a positive, beautiful way. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a white cube with white patrons, like, it's kind of like, oh, are those flip flops? It's like, uh, yeah, no, but like, <laughs>
2: yeah, like the, like the, just that, like the chancas is has like a whole nother context, yeah. that, right? It's yeah. kind of like everyone owns those, everyone owned them at some point in their life. Like I had them when I was little, yeah. and they yeah. sell them at the grocery store. Like yeah. they're still there, and everyone knows the brand, right? Like, yeah. but but yeah, like even what you mentioned about like the exchange, because um, yeah, most of those objects are used throughout latin america mm-hmm. but they have different meaning in different yeah. places right like for instance one of the isote leaves uh-huh. um they're like these pointy leaves yeah. um and those leaves are from our national flower right mm-hmm. so flor de isote is our national flower and we also eat it right but in guatemala like some people think it's poisonous mm-hmm. and they recognize it as flor de isote but it's got like a completely different reference right like a com- oh completely different values. Yeah. So it's just like interesting that we do recognize the yeah. same plant, but think of it differently. Yeah. yeah. So um, then
0: every object in Cultura would take on a different meaning depending yeah. on where people are from, which yeah. is also like super cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that context definitely matters. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> the ad libs are killing me. <laughs> yes. I love it. All right, so... Okay, so we're gonna. Uh, there are two things that I want to go back to. Okay. So one, we talked about the show that you curated.
2: Mm-hmm. And- El cho fruto en vaina.
0: <laughs> back in March, <laughs> how was that experience curating? Was that your first time curating?
2: No, I had done. So when Dave moved to San Antonio, he uh-huh. gave me Ratio, so uh-huh. I curated Ratio uh, two years ago. Okay. And so then we decided that that was his baby and. Well actually someone curated this past year too, but mm-hmm. it like moved around. Yeah. And so I decided to to do El Cho Fruto en Vaina. And so El Cho is kinda like saying like we were saying El Show in uh-huh. Spanish, but with a because <laughs> that's how we would pronounce it. Yeah. Um and fruto en vaina means like fruit and a pod. Mm-hmm. Um so this show I specifically chose to only show um, Latinx and afro latinx women or queer people Mm -hmm. for the same reason of like yeah like who gets shown everywhere (laughs) it's always like men like cis men specifically right um and yeah it's kind of like it bothers me when people are like oh so it's only like women it's like no one ever asked that when it's like men right like (laughs) yes of course we're making a platform for ourselves if no one else is gonna do it right um and it was at ERS at El Rincón Social where my studio is. And um and I I what I loved, like I loved the most about the show, or I was like the most proud of, was the crowd. Yeah. Like the crowd was so diverse and nice. there were like like everyone everyone that I wanted to be there was there and it was yeah. great. Like I was like, yeah, all right, because sometimes yeah. you go to other shows and yeah, it's kinda like everyone's weight, right? And mm-hmm. a few random like POC, and it's kind of like, ah, this is so sad, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: Those places are not inviting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's not our fault. It's like, there's a reason why, like, it's that, like, it's just like that little group or that yeah. little clique, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, that's, that was, like, kind of like my... The proudest that it made me was that. Yeah. And I loved, of course, I loved the work that was in it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so for curators, I'm always curious, what do you define your responsibility as a curator? So everyone, I think everyone has a different answer, but when you took <laughs> on the role of curator, what did you say, this is my responsibility? Well,
2: it was more like I was creating the show, so it was kind of like um, how everyone... How everyone's work will work, will work together. (laughs) So, what themes to choose and, or like, for instance, in El Cho, it was interesting because there were some of my friends that are kind of like first or fifth generation and they were working specifically on them recognizing their own heritage and culture. And, and it's interesting to have that conversation because I, when I moved here, I didn't understand why a lot of, like, people that are, like, third or whatever generation and, and they didn't speak Spanish, I was always, like, why <laughs> didn't your parents teach you how to speak Spanish, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's such a disadvantage. But I didn't understand the historic con- uh, context of, like, oh, then, like, all these white people came and we weren't allowed to speak Spanish mm. anymore, right? Like, because they would beat us up. So our parents would beat us before they beat us out of like protection. Right. And so they wanted to erase Spanish from their own kids language. So they wouldn't have to like suffer. Right. And they could just pass. Um, So I never understood that until like I read Borderlands by Gloria Saldua, who she was from Falfuria, So like a border town. Right. Um, And uh, so that book is amazing. (laughs) But like it, it, it was also like so much information that I had missed and it's mm-hmm. kinda like, oh, and a lot of my friends, um now they are interested in learning Spanish and 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 their culture, like I always feel with them is kinda like um they have their home and 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 their heritage has a lot to do with like their cooking and whatever goes on in the house. Mm-hmm. And then there's like going out to school or being like whoever they are outside of that, right? Yeah. Um and how they have to deal with their experience and then there were a lot of us like um either working with home or um dealing with like more queer themes Mm -hmm. and how that is um either not accepted well for the Mm -hmm. most part not accepted in our community um or there were people Talking about immigration and either their experience or their parents' experience. Yeah. And, and or them growing up with their parents being um, immigrants or undocumented and how they've had to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so, like, there were a lot of recurring themes and it was interesting to see how everyone was, like, dealing with those themes in their own way. Yeah. Like, curating Yeah, I think that that... <laughs> So do you feel
1: like curating was an extension of your art expression and not just a a planning?
2: Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of my friends that focus on that more always feel that curating is more of like the way that they're expressing their art. Yeah. So, which is, I I completely agree, right? Like, how do you make it successful? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like you would have to get into a mind of creating in order for it to really be effective. Yeah. Like you can't really think of it just as planning. I mean, but then again, you know, everybody has their own processes and the only their own way in which their brain works. So some people are are wired to where it's like, okay, I need a spreadsheet. I need to draw this schematic of how every piece is going to go <laughs> on the wall. I'm going to measure the distance in between every single piece and everything is going to be hung in uniformity, right? But that's their process. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you can't discount that process, right? Yeah. But you know, and if it works with them, it works with them. I can say right now with absolute certainty that would not work for me. Like, <laughs> that work for me. <laughs> like, I was gonna say, man, like when you're
2: curating, or even like when you're hanging the show and you have everyone's workout, it's kind of like it's gonna change so much, right? Yeah. Like, you're, I'm like, mm, this is gonna be here and this is going and you kind of have an idea yeah. of where you want everything, and then you have it like laid out and you're like, no, and you have to like yeah. move it all around and see, like, and I guess when, when I'm hanging work, like that's how I feel like how each piece is responding to what, right? Like how does this thing talk to this thing that's in front yeah. of it, right? Like, are yeah. they having some sort of communication that gives it a flow
0: yeah. um, to me? And that, no, I mean, that, yeah. as you're talking about like the work being laid out, like I'm imagining a room, right? And like all this work laid out in front of me and it's like, okay, so should we do this salon style? where the work that's most relevant regardless like that that's most related to one Mm -hmm. another where all that work is grouped together in one space right so then it's not just one artist's work on this wall it's not just one artist's work on this wall like should it be hung in salon style or should it be hung in specific artists and then if it's hung by specific artists then Okay, these two artists need to be close together because their work relates. But then this other artist relates to their work, but it also relates to this artist's work. Yeah. So it's like holy shit! Like yeah, <laughs> like I'm be I'm becoming to get overwhelmed just thinking about yeah. it because I realize like that's a hell of a process to kind of yeah. go through and figure out.
2: And then also like figure out like what fits where or yes. if things don't like. Sometimes like people will come in and be like well, I want my work here, right? And I'm like, yeah, I don't care what you want. No, yeah. <laughs> but, and then, I'm like, if it works, then yeah. yeah. But if it doesn't, then eh. And then it's
0: like, do you want all the walls to be the same color? Do you want the work to be in specific frames? Do, do you, you have want- money to buy paint to shit. keep it
2: the same color? Holy shit. Yeah, like <laughs> and all that. if you that. Don't, don't and you have different paint, well, and that's what's available, then?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, then you do that. And then it's like, will that detract from the work? Or what? like, it's... Like, there's so much that goes into it that you have to think about from top to bottom, in addition to does this work go along with the theme that's being presented? Like, (laughs) that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I would imagine that you have to find some way to make it your own process so that you don't go crazy.
2: (laughs) No, and it's fun. I mean, I do it once in a while. And it's funny. Like, yeah, I was talking to one of my friends and. Uh, next year there's a, there's gonna be the Latin a- Latinx arts, spring arts celebration. Really. So it's like, yeah, it's talking specifically about how little, I mean, <laughs> it's not talking about that, but yes, it is talking about that. Um, yeah, like we don't get shown, like Latinx people don't get shown in the spaces here. Like Houston, That's like the demographic of yeah. Latin people is like, one of the highest in Houston, mm-hmm. but they don't include Latinx people from Houston, right? Yeah. Um, if they bring anyone that's Latin, they bring them from outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so the conference, uh, it's happened in different states before. So it's LAN, the Latin Arts Now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a conference and a celebration, of course. Um, and, and there was a review re- recently, like it was a, Nalak, Mm -hmm. um, and how much funding, like, Latin people get, and it's kind of, like, pretty much nothing. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we, like, have no support, um, and it's pretty much, it turns into that, right? Like, you trying to create your own spaces. Yeah. Um, because no one else is going to make these spaces for you. But the point of me saying this before was, (laughs) we were having a conversation during one of the meetings, and, um, someone asked, like, well, um... I can't remember what they asked, but it was like, essentially like, what's your priority? Kind of like, oh, do you want to curate a show or what? And I was like, well, I know what my priority is. Like my priority is my work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I enjoy, like for instance, El Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. El Cho is fun, but like I can do that like once a year or something. Right. Like mm-hmm. I can't dedicate. Yeah. I don't think that mm, my focus is like, I want to curate shows. Right. Like, mm-hmm. First and foremost, I want to make my work. And then when I'm inspired or something's going yeah. on, I'm like, yeah, right now is the time to have a show. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily, that's not my priority. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's <laughs> As you talk about, like, the lack of Latin representation and things like that, like, I think about that in terms of my classroom. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, I can think of specific artists. That I can reference for my students. Cause I mean, we're in Houston, right? So, and we're Southwest Houston. So that's our, our school demographic is something like 60, 65% mm-hmm. Hispanic. And it's like, okay, cool. Now what artists do I show? Cause I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of African American artists, mm-hmm. but it's kind of difficult because when I start thinking about a lot of artists, like a lot of, um, Latin artists, they don't really span the genres like I would like them to, right? Like, because even though we could talk about Pablo Picasso because he's Spanish, he's problematic. So (laughs) problematic, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, if we're gonna exclude all the problematic artists, we're gonna run out of people people to talk (laughs) (laughs) about.
3: Because
0: it's like. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about Diego Rivera, but shit, yeah, problematic, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Frida's is problematic in a lot of ways too, and it's like, well, shit, right <laughs> exactly like it's so you know, but it's like those are the, those are the ones that I can start naming for my students right like but everyone's problematic everyone, <laughs> that's what it comes down to everyone's when, you, when problematic, you break it down, probably, everyone yeah. has something that's problematic yeah. about them, but it's like you know thinking specifically about showing artists that represent my student body It's like I can think of Dali, Picasso, Roberto Mata. Siqueros, frida Kahlo. um, I just said his damn name, Diego Rivera,, mm-hmm. right, like I can think of them, yeah, right, Goya, right, but then I'm starting to run out of names, like, <laughs> like and then I'm again, stuck. like a bunch
2: of them too, are European, <laughs> yeah,'re like, exactly. not necessarily like Latin right like exactly so they're, that's they're a hispanic, reach. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like Spanish speaking but not like from yeah. Latin America exactly, um. But yeah i mean once same thing right like once you start like i guess meeting or like knowing about different artists yeah. you start seeing like oh there's these people and these people uh-huh. right like um so uh there's a show opening tonight also like curated by my friend teresa i don't remember the name of the show but it's going to be at the union and it's about mm. like um it is all like women in south in the south area right yeah um so like Janelle Esperanza um, who's she's she curator she's part of like the Pressa House gallery okay. so it's Rigo oh, man I'm sorry guys I don't remember your last name <laughs> <laughs> Rigoberto Luna Rigoberto Luna and, and Janelle so like they're artists too right yeah. or even here in Houston right like for instance at the warehouse most of us are POC so it's yeah. like Darwin Arevalo or like Teresa. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to think of the Latin people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I guess you start meeting more people and that's like contemporary people and even... yeah.
0: Um, and that's the thing, like, I want to, because when you're in a classroom, right, and artists are being referenced, it's usually artists from Picasso's era mm-hmm. and back. Right? Yeah. So it's like, I know we existed. I know people of color existed. Yeah. Right. Like there were. And they were making (laughs) art, right? (laughs) Yes. They were making tons of art. Otherwise, how did all these paintings get in all of these beautiful churches in in Latin America? Right. Like, because when I travel, like you see that, right? You see the street art. Okay. So these influences came from somewhere. Where did they come from? Why aren't we talking about them? Like I was excited when I learned about Saqueros. Like I got to go to his house in Cuernavaca beautiful Mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful right but then it's like okay well who am i going to teach my kids about i'm tired of talking about the dead white guys to this room where let me see i got 37 students all right let's go with maybe 30 35 of them yeah are latin american the rest are black (laughs) yeah
2: yeah that's (laughs) what my class was last year it was like the same thing like 36
0: (laughs) kids three were black. Everyone else was um, <laughs> yeah, and it's Latin like, American. It's like if I'm talking about I can talk about Jacob Lawrence. I can talk about Romero Bearden. I can talk about all these other African American artists but that only hits those three students in the back. Some of some of my students will resonate with that but not everyone. Yeah. Right? I need to be able to show more brown people in yeah. art. That needs to be seen in the classroom yeah. from then to now because when the renaissance was happening in europe there was shit happening yeah (laughs) on this side of the world too
2: but yeah it's the same thing as kind of like women also being shown right like and and the assumption that they didn't exist right like they didn't make art but they did yeah (laughs) um but like yeah everyone's there there's just like people just aren't recognized it's like the same thing of not being shown so it's like no one ever knows your name or
0: Absolutely. Then <laughs> Absolutely. So it's a matter of trying to figure that out, and I've been like I've done Google searches because I uh, I did a Google search and I found a list of three hundred African American artists, mm-hmm. and I shared that with Raquel. I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I want a list like that for for Latin American artists. Mm-hmm. Like that would be amazing.
2: Well, and for instance, right now with a uh, with a uh, line and everything, like yeah. we are creating a directory. To have that because it doesn't exist like a creative, uh, like a directory of Latinx
0: artists. Because I want that from, from contemporary back. Yeah. Yeah. Back as far as we can go. Yeah. Like as far as we can go. Like, because usually when you step into a museum, you're going to see maybe a Frida. You're going to see, you might see a small Diego Rivera. You're going to see some Picasso. You're going to see some Miro. You're going to see some Dali. You're going to see some Goya. Uh, okay that's cool
3: yeah
0: that's cool that's great i love it can we see someone else no. like <laughs> can, can we can we see we should someone look else? at tanya right. bruguera she's a performance artist um i'm teaching performance art this year
2: tanya bruguera she, her work is amazing like amazing i'm gonna check that out but um, back to you. Oh, okay. I'm a, I'm about to be like, let me bring out my list of artists
0: so you can tell your kids. Oh, but I'll send you a, a link. Yes, please <laughs> send me. Please send me that list because I'm gonna also post that list on our Instagram. Yes. So people can see that because it's important, right? Like yeah. it is. Everybody's making art, not just white dudes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And when I was telling you earlier why I got into this is that. When I took my art classes, I kind of disconnected beyond what was required academically because I didn't. I was like, I don't see anyone who's telling stories that I would be interested in or where I see myself or people in my life in their art. (laughs) And so when Mark, I mean, I'm 26 now. When Mark sent me that list, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so many artists. Mm -hmm. And that's where the interest is. Like, I want to learn about them, but I want to learn about their art and
2: how they create and what they create because I feel that connection Mm -hmm. to them. Or, a, yeah, it was like the same thing when I was in school and trying to find Salvadoran artists because in El um, Salvador it's not like <laughs> anyone was encouraging us to make art or anything. Mm. Um, so it was very difficult to like know about artists. Yeah, and so in the last few years they created this dir- directory and there's a a group called Yes Contemporary, and and they have like a list of Salvadoran artists and mm. um, and I I've, I've looked through it before and for some reason like a couple of weeks ago i was like through looking through it and i found this woman that moved here in the 80s i believe uh of course like due to the war mm-hmm. and like her work is so great her name is Beatrice and again i can't remember her last name because i'm terrible um i i can't remember her last name but yeah like i was like what right and she makes Work about El Salvador too, and like that. Um, moving here, and in a way, like I, I identified with her work, but her approach is different, mm-hmm. and it was just like so interesting, yeah. And and but like really cool to see. I was like, oh my god, I totally want to write to her, <laughs> like, and be like. Then, like, hey, I love your work, (laughs) Chris. Do it. Do it. I was like, is she even going to read my message? Do it. (laughs) You should.
0: I remember I reached out to uh, Hank Willis Thomas, Mm -hmm. a photographer, when I was doing my first solo show. um, And it had to do with uh, basketball (laughs) and the way that student athletes are treated basically as commodities and things like that. Yeah. And some of the images that I made. Uh, I sent to one of my friends who was living in New York at the time and he had just gone to a Hank Willis Thomas show and he was like, dude, look at this. Sent me the link. I looked at it. I was like, yo, okay, this shit is very similar. We're talking about the same stuff, but he's talking about football and basketball and track. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to email him. So I emailed him his assistant um from jack shaman gallery got back to me and was like he's out of the country but i'll forward this email on yo he emailed me maybe two hours later and i was like yo this shit is amazing yeah <laughs> <laughs> like so periodically i'll shoot him an email and be like hey man how you doing So yeah. new work it's great like <laughs> like we're buddies from yeah. way back in the day yes, so man. email them yeah. whoever yeah. they are shoot that email it might be a shot in the dark but yeah. they might respond, and then you'll be able to develop at least a faux relationship, like myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I yay love for those. fake relationships! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back on track. I would like to now ask you about mujeres malas
3: because
0: I mujeres malas
2: <laughs> they're gonna kill me. Mujeres malas, sorry.
0: Mujeres malas. <laughs> That's not how it's pronounced, people. <laughs> that is not how it's pronounced. But yes, yeah, so this is a collective that you are a member of. Yes. Yes. The, like, I just saw y'all's Instagram and I was like, yo, where? This mm-hmm. is what's going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We've been what's going up on with-
2: for a year as of uh, Thursday? It's been a year that we've been together. Um, The name, so it means like bad women. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> like that idea of, um, Women having to behave a certain way, right? Yeah. And if you go against any societal norms, yeah. um, <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> well, <how laughs> I <dare> never <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, so our only rule is no sorries. So we're not allowed to say sorry. Um, interesting because as, um, either <laughs> assigned female at birth or wim- women, right? Like, I feel like we're trained to always like apologize for everything and mm-hmm. and like yeah. assume certain roles or we're allowed to do this and not that and Yeah. Um so it, it's in the same sense of like trying to create space that doesn't really exist for us, right? And no. um so one of the first shows we did or we had was a performance, right? And it was talking about that, like our experiences specifically, and and it was like it was a it was called lo que no dijeron was so it meant like what they told us was, and so each one of us in like a room full of people would start talking randomly about like things they had told us, right? Yeah. Um, whether it was about um how to behave, right? Like keep your legs closed, right? Or or personally. Like my experience coming out or being queer, and yeah. um so we all like said what like things that had happened to us right yeah. so yeah, like that was one of the first ones, and it's a pretty strong
1: piece, I believe,
2: yeah, um, and then we've had a few other shows we've been working on a on an article about about corn, so we were doing like corn research, and we we're working with Don Woleski. And so she was part of the Conflict Kitchen. Like, she had created with some other people the, the this project called uh, Conflict yeah. Kitchen. And they created a restaurant. So she works a lot with food. Um And we started working with her. And the corn project was pretty much doing research from pretty much, like, farm to table. Yeah. Uh But talking to Latinx people yeah. that work in these industries, right? So we and we were like backtracking so what we first did was like went to different restaurants and found like people that use corn like make their own like corn tortillas Mm -hmm. or or corn products right yeah and then we interviewed like a man that owns a a restaurant and it's a pupuseria right and we interviewed like some taquerias or tortilla tortillerias um then we found a family that had an import Business and so they import corn from Monterrey, right? So the white corn comes from outside, like we have yellow corn here in the States, right? Uh, So then we interviewed them at the market, and then one of our group members is from Monterrey. So we went to Monterrey um, and we actually found a farmer, right? Because we tried to find Latin farmers here that that grew corn, but we couldn't find them. Um, And so we went to Monterrey and we talked to this man. And it's just the research is not about like this is corn, and it has sixteen kernels, right? It was yeah. more about like learning and having these conversations with people, like learning yeah. about their story like that was our interest, and through the interviews we were trying to find like the i mean yeah, the culture within yeah like everything they're talking about and their experience, so like tons of conversations go into this mm-hmm. like into into corn, so it's kind of like um immigration like who works the land yeah um
0: (laughs) who owns the the yeah like things like
2: that how much these people are making yeah or or even like corn itself right like it's used in ethanol like it's it's Mm -hmm. not just like i mean we learned so much (laughs) (laughs) like uh it was like 30 percent of the corn grown south of i-10 is just for deer feed which is essentially just for sport, right? It's just for killing. So, like, there is a whole um, industry just for that, right? Like, that that corn, that that yellow, like, a lot of this yellow corn is not for human consumption. It's for either animal feed or, like, deer feed. Is that
1: why white, like, not whiter, but lighter color corn tastes better? Is it? Never mind
2: maybe <laughs>
0: that
1: was random. i'm like maybe
0: because oh. <laughs> uh, oh, white corn is delicious yeah i was gonna <laughs> say like maybe know the other side like like the yellow corn is used for feed because it's not as good as the white corn. Yeah.
2: yeah, and, yeah. and, 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 and that's
0: that's so, like, I know I realized my question was, the, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like,
1: like this was, was like, lighter corn does taste much better. Maybe it's, that's what we're supposed but to But also, the, yeah. the blue
2: corn is really good. Yes. Blue corn is delicious. Corn is delicious. Um, Sorry. But <laughs> no, but there's like different, different, like corn strands and they're used for different things. Or not, I don't know if you say corn strands, but different. Corns, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yes, yeah, there's sweet corn mm. and then there's like the corn that doesn't taste like anything that that's what the is for feed. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and what you this. use for popcorn and what you use for all this stuff. So, like, that's a project that we've been working on. Yeah. Um, and we're writing an article with all these stories. So we're actually meeting up tomorrow. Hopefully we can finish it soon. Um,
0: how do you feel like being a member of a collective has affected your work whether it be positive or negative like do you feel like it's it's helped or
2: uh i think last year when i joined the collective it was kind of by accident like (laughs) i was literally i went to u of h to um i was gonna meet up with a friend who's part of the collective and we're gonna like take photos with a with a large format camera (laughs) <laughs> and so I walked into the lighting studio, and she wasn't there. And I was like, "Where's Letty?" Right? Yeah. And then someone was like, "Oh, I think she's over there in the room in the back." And so I walked to like to go find her, and um and they were all having a meeting. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry," because like, I interrupted. Um and uh and then Letty's like, "Oh no no, come in, come in, right?" Yeah. And then I had met, uh, so I knew Letty, and then I had met two of the other members, Areli and Jess. I had met them before. Yeah. Um and then Letty was like, Oh, you should be part of our group, right? And then my friend Karen was kinda like I could see it in her face that she was like, No, what are you doing, right? And it was like, <laughs> um, Latin women, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think she obviously she didn't know that I was Latin. She thought I was white. <laughs> yeah. And I and I told her I was like, Oh, do I look Latin to you? And she looked at me and she was like, No, you don't. And then and then she stopped herself and she was like, Wait, actually you don't have to look a specific way. So, and yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm from El Salvador. But then I knew I was like in this meeting and I was like, oh my God, like, cause Leti's like super like welcoming and about yeah. community. And I, but I also understood like, <laughs> um, which is usually probably how I would react. I'd be like, no, right? Like, we've set these, this thing <laughs> yeah. and, and like no one else can come in right yeah. now. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so it's funny because I was like, y'all don't have to include me in your group, right? Like, you don't have to. And they're like, no. And like, Areli and Jess were like excited about it. Like, they're like, yeah. no, yeah, you should be, right? Like, um, and I was like, okay, I guess. And at that time, like, for me, it was really great that I could be part of this group, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it, like, open the doors to meeting the, this, like, this collective and. Yeah all the things that have happened this year, right? <laughs> um I guess it's great cuz of the 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 projects that we have done. But then again, yeah, being part of a collective is also very time consuming, right? Like an, yeah. and it like yeah, we are we have to dedicate a lot of our free time to making these projects yeah. happen. So it's kind of like trying to find even for all of us, right? Like trying yeah. to find a balance of... um what projects we will take on or not because everyone did get very excited. I mean like from like people that knew us about yeah. us and, and and it's kind of like, yeah, like you should be in this and you should do this and you should do this. And we we're like, Oh yeah, that's a really good opportunity. We should. Yeah. Um But then there's also like, wait, like how much can we take? Right. Because there's a few that are still in school, right? Like some of mm-hmm. them are in grad school, so they have a lot on their plate. And yeah. then there's like us trying to make our own work or, jobs and mm-hmm. everything. So I don't know. Yeah. I trying <laughs> to balance things. <laughs> to balance hmm.
0: So what's next for you? You've had a few shows lined up. You've been churning work out. I know you're still working on the current project, but like what I guess what's next for you in your mind? What would you like to do next? Grad school. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um yeah, I'm applying for grad school again this semester i applied two years ago and i didn't get in (laughs) (laughs) didn't bother me at all no i'm just kidding um (laughs) it wasn't the time (laughs) yeah no um yeah i feel like when i applied last time i was like i'm ready to leave houston right like it's time Mm -hmm. and i didn't get in and then the next year i was like i'm not ready to leave i'm and then this year again i was like okay i feel like i'm ready um so I'm applying to f- a few schools. That
1: hopefully I get in. We'll
2: see what happens. You will. Um, yeah. that's you what everyone said last you night. <laughs> oh shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, but um. May the universe. Yeah. Well, I mean, you. in whatever happens, like um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, whatever happens is fine. Like even if I if I don't get in, then yeah, you know, maybe I don't have to. Mm, there's a reason. Yeah. Maybe
0: I need to move. To Central what's your, America, or something. what's your goal for for grad school? Like, what what do you hope to gain from going to grad school?
2: Knowledge, Ad- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, because um, I keep
0: having the same thought, right? Like, I keep thinking about doing an interdisciplinary program,
3: yeah,
0: and you know, something that has a tech component also. So, like, I went and visited uh, Texas A and M this past summer, mm-hmm. um, in their bit vi- you know, their visual program. It's amazing. Yeah. It's intense as hell. Yeah. And very rigorous, but it's really, really cool. Um, So I visited there. I got information from Uno's grad program, um, University of New Orleans. Um, I've looked at UT. Like I've looked at a few different schools that have interdisciplinary programs, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know if that's the move unless I actually want to teach. Cause yeah. you know, you, you learn so much from, older artists and mentors and things like that and even from your own experiences yeah. it's like do I actually need grad school or are you planning on teaching on the collegiate level
2: No, I mean if anything like I teach now yeah. but I teach um school kids yeah which I love like I have a ton of fun but yeah, yeah like I, I if yeah any of my job like I like jobs that are flexible because yeah. I need time <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I would like to teach at a college level. If anything, yeah, if I had a, if I had one of those serious jobs <laughs> that you need to survive, um, that would be nice. Um, uh, but it's not, sometimes it's also like facilities, right? True. Like once, Very true. uh, I left a uh, U of H, I have my studio and I have my dark room. Um, but it's like, I have my equipment, but it, but it's really difficult to like, that same conversation of like having time and money, it's kind of mm. like um, the access to resources. Yeah, so it's kind of okay. like if I have a job, then I have money, but then I have I don't have energy <laughs> or time, time yeah. to make stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I do have time, it's kind of like I have to buy all like like for instance, buying chemicals like chemicals are really really yeah. expensive, or buying paper. Yeah. Um, or if every like it, it's just a lot easier, like. Having access to the dark room at school was so much easier. Yeah. Like I would just, I lived there, right? Like <laughs> I was just like, I had my little mat under my, uh, enlarger and I just like curl up and <laughs> take a nap and, and it was great. And, but I was always there and, and every, everything was there already. Yeah. Even if I was the dark room monitor and I mixed it because <laughs> yeah. it was my job. Um, but now it's kind of like, for instance, I'll buy like a big bottle of chemicals, but I need to keep it like, In a certain place, so it doesn't go bad, right? Because I'm not going to use all of it at once. But then, yeah, some of my chemicals go bad, or, or it's also like having, um, when you go to grad school, it's about like, who are you going to learn under? Like, who are you interested Mm -hmm. in learning under? Yeah. So for me, it's not necessarily about like, I want to get the paper. It's about like, hopefully I can.
0: This is about the process. Yeah. Learn
2: something new. Like, I do. I got you. Enjoy different, yeah. like learning. Yeah. I'm like, I want to learn something new, right? Like, yeah. and and yeah, like I agree. Interdisciplinary programs. Like, I'm not focused on like I want to do photo, right? Yeah. Um, which I think everyone would probably assume about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, I want to do different things or find different forms. Yeah. For myself, like, not make it so this is it. This is what I'm doing. Like, yeah. okay. how yeah. do I include other things, right? Like, I or how, yeah, different. What other things can I explore in my art making?
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, that's fair. I okay. want to be clear. I wasn't saying don't go to grad school. I'm oh, just, no, 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 I'm just no, no, curious no, no. as to everyone's like, no,
2: cause I agree too. Like sometimes I'm it. like, sometimes I'm like, but do I need this? Yeah. I mean, because even if I have a master's, doesn't mean I'm going to get a job. Yeah. And I, I, felt, <laughs> I, mean,
0: I felt disenchanted with, you know, and I didn't do the BFA program at U of H. I did the BA. Yeah. But I learned so much more at HCC than I did at U of H. Yeah. I learned so much more from artists that I knew outside of school than I learned from professors at school. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, for me, that's the struggle. It's like, well, yeah. shit, I paid all that money, got all this debt. Yeah. And uh, I feel like what I took away from the school was a lot less valuable than what I learned elsewhere. Yeah. So. And
2: and I completely agree. Like I remember (laughs) when I was in HCC, it was like, you, yeah, people are like, oh, it's just community college, but no, like you're still learning from really great artists, right? Like some
0: of the same professors at HCC that were at U of (laughs) A. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and and I always have that question for myself too, right? Yeah. Like, how much money I'm gonna, am I gonna invest in this? Do I even have the money? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, right. Like, what am I gonna get out of it? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's this. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm curious. And, and as we're wrapping this up, what advice would Mo, as the artist today, give to? Mo, starting out in her art journey, to if you could go back and give yourself advice,
2: damn little Mo. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't necessarily think that you do things wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, it's just like it happened. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like what happened. I don't think mm. I necessarily change things for some reason. Mm. Um, I don't know. I guess believe in yourself more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah, be, be more secure, right? Like mm-hmm. not so much external validation, like learn yeah. that, right? Yeah. Like that,
0: um, asserting yourself.
2: Yeah. And it's not so necessary to, have approval from other people right Mm -hmm. like even though like yeah we're humans and we always do that i'm not saying i don't do that anymore like Mm -hmm. i do but um but yeah like i remember when i was in hcc i was making work and i said something about like oh i need to like make work about like other people, right? So they understand it. And Mm -hmm. my professor was like, never make work about other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, make work about yourself and your experience because it's real. And then other people that feel the same thing as you will, like, naturally just, like, gravitate towards it, right? Um, Or, yeah, just be able to understand it. So it's kind of like that was was good advice. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, oh, okay. And so... Yeah, it goes, even goes back to the process of like, when I first came out, like, yeah, it was out to my friends or to myself and I wasn't like out in public or I didn't know how to talk about it. And so I wanted to make work about that, but I didn't know how to make work about that. And it was very much like, oh, there's this thing, there's been a lot of changes in my life. And I I was talking to Delilah. (laughs) So I wanted to make work about this and I was like, Oh, you know, things change, a lot of things have changed and she was like, Yeah, so what changed? And then I was like, Oh, you know, life life changes, things change and she just kept like trying to get me to be like, uh huh, so say it, right? Because she had a big smile on her face. Yeah, and I and (laughs) I I had um I had um I was doing nudes, like a bunch Mm. of cyanotype nudes, and she was like, This is not saying anything, right? Like um, this is not connecting to what you're telling me and she was like, What are you telling me, right? Yeah. And I was like right <laughs> and she's like okay yeah that's fine right and she's like here look um and she so she showed me Laura Aguilar's work who recently passed away and she was a chicana artist who was also a lesbian right mm-hmm. and and so like her work is very important and so she had like mentioned some artists and then Delilah was like you have this weekend to go right like mm. you have to write. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I went like home and I just wrote and I had like, same thing, right? Like I had a, a, a theme or an idea that I wanted to talk about, but I didn't know how to present it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it went from the <laughs> cyanotype nudes to the body of work. That was, uh, it's called the seven sins. I don't like that title. I should change that title or, oh no, 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 it's not seven sins. Of course not. It's uh, seven definitions. Yes. And also, so yeah. I was Oh, oh my God. I forgot all... Everyone's names today. I don't remember any artist's name. Um, Joseph Kasuth. So, Joseph Kasuth this, did this project called uh, One in Three Chairs. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, the definition of what a chair is, a photo of a chair, and mm-hmm. an actual chair, right? Okay. And so, it's all, like, the same thing. Yeah. But is it, is right? It, yeah. <laughs> and so, I kind of, like, based it off of that. And so... It was, like, seven definitions, and it was just, like, the definition, um, and then throughout the seven uh, triptychs, there's a self-portrait, right? So, it was kind of, like, talking about how I was still the same person, um... And so each definition was related to one of the seven sins, right? That's mm-hmm. another project you always do is like <laughs> seven sins. <laughs> yeah, in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say I've
1: seen that. Yeah. yeah,
2: and so like and it, it, it wasn't necessarily like I w- people didn't know it was the seven sins because it was definitions. Mm-hmm. So all I presented was a definition. And then it's just interesting for people to like read a definition and try to figure out what, what it, it means, yeah. right? Like um, and in some of them, I kind of switched them. To understand that, for instance, like, yeah, I grew up in a super faith-based, um, yeah. very like morally quotations, morally correct, um, upbringing or whatever. And so it, it was even realizing like, for instance, I was so obedient because I was taught like, you have to be obedient and, and, yeah. and like, you don't question things. It's kind of like, yes, you're telling me mm-hmm. this is wrong. So I accept it because you're telling me it's wrong. So like I put one of the the definitions as o- obedience, and people yeah. don't ever know it's a, that that's what I'm refer- referring to. And realizing that that no, right, like that criticism of who I was or what I was wasn't real, right? And it was because when I came out, it was like that fear of me not being able to say yeah. how I felt was because I felt like I was doing something wrong, right? Or like my family not approving and leaving was because to them it's it's wrong so mm-hmm. it, like it i was like oh my god i'm a bad person and like learn like yeah. unlearning all this phobia yeah um i can't remember what your question was <laughs> <laughs>
3: what's
0: your remember. question either <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. advice but, to little mo yeah, yeah advice
2: and so um yeah it went from like for instance it, it this is back to the connection that you asked me about process. So like it went from the nudes to this other project. Like it completely evolved yeah. over a weekend that Delilah told me to go right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like, I guess like having that support too, right? Like yeah. finding a good support system. Yeah.
0: Find your yeah. community. Yeah. <laughs> and just to, you know, to Very name important. specifically, this is Delilah Montoya we're talking about, who is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, she She's not chair any longer. What is she? At U of H, she department chair. I don't know. Um, anyway, she's, she's been always there. busy. Yeah, she's always busy. She's always doing something. But she, I, I know, for me, she like hearing her kind of chastise you, but she does it with a smile, which makes you feel good and bad at the same time. <laughs> and like I, when 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 Mo's saying like, you know, she's like, what is it saying? What is it say? like? I I've sat in that chair across from Tiny Delilah Montoya and felt that 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 ire like what are you doing? What the hell is this? Yeah like, <laughs> but at the same time it's like but, what are you doing? <laughs>
2: yeah but at the but it's kinda like if she's taking the time to do that it's because she, she believes cares. in you yeah. and 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 and, yeah. and she's like Yeah she wants you to make it better. Like Absolutely. that's the thing. It's like and yeah having her
0: mm-hmm. um it's great. Like it's great. Like she's yeah. Yeah, she's very open and very honest, which is a great, great thing to have someone that's going to be honest with you about yeah. what your work is based on what you hope to present. Yeah. <laughs> Not just what they think it should be, but what you what you intend for your work to be based on or com- as it compares to what you've actually done. Right. Like getting that those things to meet in the middle. Like yeah, that, she's brilliant at doing that. Um I guess on the heels of that question, I will ask: What do you want your legacy to be, Mo? Oh my God.
1: When you're in the art history books, because they're going to become more inclusive.
2: Oh, okay.
0: What do you want (laughs) just before those art historian Uh, grad schools get to you? Yeah. <laughs> that's an inside joke because we had a, i wanted
2: to reference one of the comments but i was like no a I history
0: of that. self-portraiture <laughs> class yeah uh with dr jacobs who's absolutely brilliant at university of houston uh mo and i had this class together and there were art history grad students in the class <laughs> and i think i told the story on the podcast about uh people freaking out and asking why Cezanne painted this or trying to Add all this conjecture as to why Cezanne painted the same landscape for 10 years. Yeah. And shit like that. Like, these were those students. Because I had multiple classes. They sound with fun. Two, two specific women who were just... You could tell they've never created a piece of work in their life. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to tell you what everything meant, okay. Regardless of what the artist said, it, it was supposed to be right. Like adding all this conjecture, but they would always come with the most far fetched. But yeah, it was like, like hilarious. Like yeah. it would get
2: like it was just kind of like, what is gonna be said today, right? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> it was also great because Dr. Jacobs is like a wealth of knowledge <laughs> in and of himself. Like he's written several books about photographic. Uh, photographic uh, uh, art history and other topics in art history and these girls would sit there and just be like well no I don't think you're right about that and he's like literally presenting his own research Mm. like (laughs) his actual findings and they're like no because I read and it's just like shut the fuck up. Sounds like Twitter. (laughs) Basically it was
2: huh we had twitter in the the corner yeah Yeah. twitter didn't exist yet yeah
0: it was trash it was terrible but yeah so what do you want your legacy yeah your legacy
2: my legacy my legacy i i don't
1: know (laughs) have you ever thought about it like this is when they look back at me and my work
2: okay when they look back yeah um I'm a little distracted because one of my cables just came in, and now I can hear on both sides. And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds completely different." Um, well, I guess yeah, I would want to people to know um, how I feel. Well, hopefully by then things have changed, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, in regards to equity in many aspects, right? Hopefully. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're trying to do. That's... Yeah. I guess that's what the themes I also talk about. Like, if it's political, it's for that reason, right? Because I disagree yeah. with how things are going. So, in the hopes that, yeah, like, not that, oh, well, I did the so I saved it or something. or yeah. <laughs> But but present, like, yeah, even when you teach, right? Like, and in, in what you show... Your students, it, it's important mm-hmm. because I I think like a lot of these. Yeah, if we're not showing like people of color in our classrooms, then like what what are they learning and, and what do they think is real? Right. Like it's kind of like that's yeah. going back to that idea of like, well, white is good or white is right. Yeah. And it's like no, right, like you're good, like you're great. Like, yeah, regardless, yeah, yeah, like, you, you can do that, too, and, um, yeah, like, conversations about gender, conversations, um, about what's going on in, in, in my country, or, yeah, (laughs) I don't know if I, I answered. You did, but you
0: definitely
3: did. But, yeah, I think
0: can you tell the people where to find you? Where to find you on social media, online, things like on that. On the intraweb's. On yeah. the intraweb's. On Gore's so. Internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so
2: on the Instagrams, you can find me. I'm Kiholemano. So that's a Salvadoran saying. Kiholemano. <laughs> um. So it's Q U I J O L E M A N O. Um. And um. I, I don't yeah I think it's under mo Penders and then my website is maureen um hmm, I wonder if I should change that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's that's how you can find me and then mujeres malas you can find uh instagram is at somos dot com not com. It's Instagram. Never mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can try that, see what happens. I do Yeah. You'll know? <laughs> yeah. you probably get the same result. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mo, we definitely appreciate you being here and, and sitting down and taking the time to talk to us. Um, I appreciate you also eating the food that I prepared and I hope it doesn't make you sick or kill you. It's been Uh, long enough. I mean, yeah,
2: I think I, yeah, (laughs) it would have already happened. I think, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. thank you for feeding me and welcoming me into your home and your podcast.
1: Thank you. No, I've learned so much today. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. Yay.
0: Yeah, we definitely appreciate it. So on behalf of myself, Mark Francis and
1: and Raquel Simone,
0: we thank you all for listening. Peace.
1: Bye.